you can have a seat. This morning, Rick is um, preaching from Genesis 25, 21 through 23. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. <clears throat> um, the last few weeks we've been dealing with big chunks of scripture, and uh, this morning it's just two simple passages, our, th- our three simple verses, um, zeroing in on the, the life of Rebecca. Um, and and it's, it's intentional that we're, the, the last couple of weeks were big, broad um, pieces of scripture, and, and that this week is just a few short verses, because I want to like zero in on um, a specific instance in, in their lives. And again, the, the big picture of this series is the redemption story, and that God is telling a, a, a big redemption story through the lives of, of individuals, um, and that, that's interesting um, given what we just prayed about, that God is telling the big redemption story through the lives of individuals. Um, the uh, little bit of backstory, Rebecca is the daughter-in-law of Abraham, who the last two weeks have kind of been about. And I also wanted to, to I chose Rebecca to, to talk about in this line because um, I think that a lot of times uh, we um, kind of zero in on the patriarchs, um, but uh, Rebecca is, is a crucial matriarch in the, the course of, of God bringing his redemptive plan to this earth. Um, and this story is, is important in it. So um, let me read the, the passage uh, one more time. And Isaac prayed, Isaac is, is Abraham's immediate son and Rebekah's husband. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah's, his wife conceived and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the other shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. Um, a few facts to bring, you, bring to light here. Rebecca was barren, uh, and that's, that's important to note, um, and I know that uh, pregnancy has not been the easiest for a, a, a lot of you. I, I know um, several moms in here have, have struggled with uh, pregnancy. And, but in, in this age, in this culture, um, motherhood, and I, I think it, it's, it was more so then, but it, it's, it's still prevalent here. Motherhood a lot of times is, is an identity for, for women. And that um, grow, like growing up, you just, you just sometimes dreamed of, of being a mom and, and it's, a, it's an important thing. And, the, and then when you actually have a baby, it kind of becomes part of your identity and that, that pregnancy process, even, even hard pregnancy processes, like it becomes part of your identity um, to, to be a mom. And consider that Rebecca was, was 
barren, and barren is a, it's a strong and hard word, right? Barren, uh, meaning she can't have kids and hadn't been able to have kids for a long time. Um, second fact is Rebecca and Isaac prayed for children. Um, I know that uh, some of you have, have prayed successfully and some of you prayed unsuccessfully for to have children. Um, but, uh, and I, I just kind of want you to, to connect with the, the depth of, of that. And then after the prayer, God gave them twins, not one, but two. Um, we've got a parents of twins right there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, careful what you pray for. Um, I know that was silly, but there's a lot of truth in, in that as well. Um, so they finally have a baby, not just one, but two. And then in the midst of that pregnancy, God says to Rebecca, to the mom who has been barren for a long time and has her and her husband have had times of, of prayer and times of weeping of, over whether or not they're going to have kids. And now they get this joy of finally having kids. And it's a really difficult and struggling almost miserable pregnancy that she has. And she goes and asks God, why? This, why is this so hard? And God's answer to her is, what you're feeling inside of you, your children are literally warring, fighting within your womb right now. And like, I think we can, we can assign that to be metaphor or, or um, like a, a foretelling of the future, like your kids are going to fight. But what, what the scripture says and what the language actually means is, is the kids were in her womb fighting. Um, I know that we've had, uh, actually, Jen had almost all of her pregnancies, well, all of her pregnancies were hard. Um, in particular, Hannah Grace is sitting right next to her. Um, going to get this right. I had to ask Jen this week. There were 21 times during the life of, during the pregnancy of Hannah Grace where Jen was in the hospital. 11 of those times she was admitted and, and spent at least one night. Um, it was a really, really hard pregnancy. There were uh, like nutritional issues where she couldn't keep food down. There was, Hannah Grace was growing the wrong direction. So they had to flip her around inside the womb and, and lots of different, just really difficult stuff. And we had um, if you've heard Jen tell the story or me tell the story, like we had the best doctor that's ever been alive was, was our obstetrician. Um, and he was part of a hospital that was like one of the best five hospitals in, in, in the country. And we get, we like, it was, it was such a really hard pregnancy, but we had Dr. Schreiber and we had Barnes Hospital. Um, Rebecca has desert uh, around her. Um, Dr. Schreiber is not alive yet, and Barnes Hospital has not been built yet. She has to continue to struggle. Um, and here's, this is interesting um, because of what we prayed about earlier. Um, Rebecca asked God, why? Have you ever asked God why something has happened? 
I had, that's, that's right here in my notes. Have you ever asked God why something is happening? Um, yes. Since about 8 o'clock this morning when I found out that Jason had died. Why is this happening? Why is it happening? Why does, why do, my mind goes to these kids foremost. Like, what's going to happen to them and their faith? Like, their dad who's given his life to the gospel um, is gone. There's a good chance that these kids are going to hate God for a long time. Maybe for the rest of their lives. Um, and I say, why? Um, but here, like my good little boy Christian brain says, you don't get to ask God why. But Rebecca is here asking God why. And God doesn't really give her much of an answer. Um, God's response is worse than she could have thought. Because, like, with, with Jen and her pregnancy with Hannah Grace, like, it was hard, but it was nine months. And now we have a wonderful little girl. Um, and, but for Rebecca, God's answer to why is, because those kids that, that were promised to you and you prayed for and became part of your identity and, and were this great source of hope for you, those kids are going to be fathers of nations that will be at war. Like, um, my kids fight sometimes, right? Do your kids fight sometimes? Like, they, they, they fight and they might, like, yell at each other, but... Like these two are going to be at war. Um, forever. Imagine like that being, God, why is this pregnancy so hard? Why does it feel like my kids are fighting inside of my womb? Well, Rebecca, because they are fighting inside of your womb, and this is just the beginning. Um, wouldn't like that answer. And again, the, the, the why of the, the question of Jason and his family seep into my brain, and I don't, I'm glad I'm not Darren this morning who's preaching it at Afton, because I, I, don't, I don't have an answer as to why. Um, but... Uh, I think that, well, let's, let's come out a little bit from the specific events that are happening here and understand that this, this sermon and even this life is not about what happens here, but about a, a story that, that God is telling throughout the, the course of, of our lives. Um, He's, God is telling a story both to you and through you about everything that's going on in your life. Um, and I know, like, Kathleen, you and I have talked about hardships that are going on, like, physically for you and, and the, 
the voting stuff last week and all the hardship were there. And I know the hardship of, of Brittany and Brian like to, to go through uh, infertility and, and to finally have your babies. I know that struggle. And, and Kelly, I know the struggle of, of the teachers and the principal in your school and the hardship of that. And, I, and like, and, and, and you guys, there's so much going, like I just, there's so much like hard stuff around us. But I think, I think that God is, is trying to tell us, I don't think, I know that God is, is telling a story not just to Kathleen through your struggles, but everybody around Kathleen, God is telling a story that's not just pointing to, oh, don't you feel bad for Kathleen and, and the stuff that she has to walk through. And don't you feel bad for the wimples and the stuff that they have to walk through and, and the wagon and what the, don't you feel bad? Yeah, I, my heart hurts for Jason Helmbacher and his kids. My heart hurts for the church at Afton. My heart hurts for those, those people. My heart hurts for, for my friend Darren who's trying to lead through a confusing time in a hurting congregation like right now. My heart hurts for all of that. But God is telling a story beyond the circumstances where we find ourselves. Um, uh, I want to throw up um, throw the, the first quote. I, this week I was at um, the Gospel Coalition and this guy, John Onwu Chekwa, is a church planter in Atlanta. And he was telling the story of he was in a conference in Orlando about a week before he was supposed to launch his church when he got a phone call that his brother had been murdered. And he's supposed to go and launch a church in a week. And um, he was telling that story. And part of that, he said these two things. Uh, you can put that one back up there, Boston, if you want. Uh, the first one is, not everything that is bad to you is bad for you. Um, and then the second one, I think, really hits home in particular in light of all the things that I've, we've talked about and the church at Afton story and um, wherever you find yourself. If you have confidence in his ability, you have to have contentment in his activity. Um, but I don't want to. I want to have confidence in his ability and be angry at his activity. Um, uh, throw throw the, the Mark verse up there, Boston, if you would. Um, this is Jesus praying in Gethsemane. I learned something this week. Do you guys know what... Uh, Gethsemane, like the literal translation, you know, Gethsemane is the garden in which Jesus prayed before he died. But you guys know what, what that means, Gethsemane? A Gethsemane is an oil press. So it's the garden of oil press where Jesus prayed. And you guys know what, a, what an oil press was in this culture. It's something, it's a, it's a vice that you crank and squeezes olives and produces oil 
that was invaluable to these people in this generation. So it's a vice that crushes and squeezes a fruit to, to produce invaluable oil. Um, in that garden, verse 33, and he took Peter with him, and with him he took Peter, James, and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. I'm, every time I read this passage, I'm amazed at Jesus asking God to make him not have to do this. A lot of times when I pray, God, don't make me do this, I feel really whiny and less than. Um, going a little, verse 35, going a little while, a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. I want to say um, in the parallels of Rebecca's story, in the parallels of your story, and then the parallels of Jason Helmbacher's story to Jesus in the garden. In the garden, Jesus endures a great struggle. Again, Gethsemane is, is a press that's crushing you. And what's the purpose of the crushing? To get this incredibly valuable oil. In the garden, Jesus endures a great struggle. In the garden, Jesus asked to be let out of the struggle. Like, it's okay. It's okay to ask God, don't make me do this. Jesus did. And in the garden, Jesus gathered his resolve from an encounter with God. Um, so as you struggle, pray. As you struggle, trust. And as you struggle, know that your story is pointing to a bigger story. And not just like, Kelly, your story is, 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 is pointing to a bigger story for the people in your building, but it's also pointing to a bigger story for you. God has, God has a plan, and I, I just, I even, I hate that I'm the kind of guy who just said those words. God has a plan. Um, there's, a, there's a great philosopher who said this, um, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You guys know who said that? Mike Tyson said that. Mike Tyson said that. Everybody's, like, they were asking him, what, what, what's your plan for this fight? What, what are you going to do in this fight? And he's like, well, everybody's got a plan 
until they get punched in the face. So what, what's, what's, like, we have all these plans, but what are, like, we're enduring punches to the face. So what are you going to do when you get punched in the face? And I hate that I just said a minute ago, God has a plan. Okay, great. That's easy when you're not getting punched in the face. But what if it's God's plan to punch you in the face? Like I just, the overwhelming thing over and over again that's going in my brain and, and I hate it and it's selfish and it's self-centered is that Jason Helmbacher is like my age and he's like my fitness level and he's got kids that are about my age and why is he alive? Or he is, why is he gone and I'm not? Why does Rochelle get punched in the face and Jen doesn't? Why does the church at Afton get punched in the face and you guys don't? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I run to and I cling to scripture. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Like, that doesn't make sense in these times, but um, believe that it's true. Romans 12.2, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 12.2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In times of hurt, in times of struggle, Jesus is our example, as he always is. And, and when, when a pastor says something like that, that in times of struggle, look to Jesus as our example. We think of the, the perfect Jesus. Do, do we think of Jesus as an example when he is stressed so much that he's sweating blood and asking God to make him, make, let this not have to happen? Like, that's the same Jesus as your example as the Jesus that, that endured the cross. Um, through, through all of the struggle and all of the hurt and all the pain and all the tears and all the questions why, God is faithful. Let's just let that lay there. God, thank you for God, thank you for this church that we're a place that doesn't have to pretend to have things together and doesn't have to pretend to have all the answers and doesn't have to pretend to be happy. God, thank you for giving 
my heart these people that I can cry and be vulnerable and be honest with, Father, and that I can worship you with, God, that I can celebrate good things and can mourn bad things. God, I pray that you would allow the story of Rebecca and her children, Jacob and Esau, and I would pray that you would, you would allow the story of, of, of Travis and Megan and of Kelly and of Jason Helmbacher and of Brittany and Brian and of Kathleen and of the Hammonds. I pray you would allow all of these stories, God, to remind us of how much you love us and how faithful you are to us in all times and all ways. God, thank you for the gifts that you've given to us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his perfect name I pray. Amen.